0: Hi, my name is Pauline, and I'm a volunteer here at the Recovery Radio Network. Did you know that last year people logged into Recovery Radio more than 600,000 times and listened to over 875,000 hours of recovery? Please help us continue this mission of service to the recovery community by donating to our cause. Fire up your computer. Go to recoveryradio.net and click the Donate button. It's that easy. Say a serenity prayer. God. All right, I'm an alcoholic. My name is Keith. My sobriety date's May eleventh, nineteen seventy six, and I'm not taking a drink of alcohol nor use any narcotics since that date. What we want to do, uh, today is uh, have a a kind of a workshop on sponsorship. Seems like there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of uh, uh, different representations of sponsorship and different, um, there's newcomers and old timers involved with sponsorship. Our home group is pretty much uh, founded on sponsorship, so it's it's a common thing. I want to give a little bit of a background about it. From Alcoholics Anonymous standpoint and and why the word is there in Alcoholics Anonymous and why it seems to be of some importance. So Alcoholics Anonymous began with sponsorship. When Bill W, only a few months sober, was stricken with a powerful urge to drink. His thought came to him, You need another alcoholic to talk to. You need another alcoholic just as much as he needs you. He found found Dr. Bob who had been trying desperately and unsuccessfully to stop drinking. And out of their common need, AA was born. The word sponsor was not used then. The 12 steps had not even been written. But Bill carried the message to Dr. Bob, who in turn safeguarded his own sobriety by sponsoring countless of other alcoholics. Through sharing, both our co-founders discovered their own sober lives could be enriched beyond measure. What does AA mean by sponsorship? To join an organization, you must have a sponsor. At most any organization, you have to be sponsored into by somebody that's a mentor or whatever. A person who vouches for you, a person who vouches for you, presents you as being suitable for membership. A person, a sponsor, is a person who vouches for you. And, and, uh, and present you as being suitable for membership. That's a responsibility. That's a responsibility. This is definitely not the case in AA. <laughs> Anyone who has a desire to stop drinking is welcome to join us. So in other organizations, the person vouches for you and, and assures the fact that you're presentable uh, to belong. But in AA, it, it, you know, it's the third tradition. An AA sponsor and sponsored meet as equals, just as Bill and Bob did. Essentially, the process of sponsorship is this. An alcoholic who has made some progress in recovery programs shares that experience on a continuous individual basis with another alcoholic who is attempting to attain or maintain sobriety through AA. So it doesn't say you have to work the steps or anything. You're just, you got sober and you're going in a direction of sobriety and you can say, you know, I was sober yesterday, I'm sober today to a new guy that's drunk or has one day, I have yesterday to share. When we first begin in AA meetings, they may not feel, they may feel confused and sick and apprehensive. Although people at meetings respond to our questions willingly, that alone, that alone isn't enough. Many other questions occur to us between meetings. We find that we need constant, close support as we begin learning how to live a sober life. So that's, that's basically what the A pamphlet describes as sponsorship. It describes the first, the first ever sponsor, and sponsee was Bill and Bob. And they met each other and, and the 12 steps hadn't even been written yet. Yeah. See? And so, uh, It goes on to say sponsorship can also mean the responsibility the group as a whole has for helping the newcomer. In other words, a group can sponsor a newcomer. Today, more and more alcoholics arriving at their first AA meeting have had no prior contact with AA. They have not telephoned a local AA group, intergroup, or central office. No member has made the 12-step call on them, and so especially... For such newcomers, groups are recognizing the need to provide some form of sponsorship help. In many successful groups, sponsorship is one of the most important planned activities of the members. Sponsorship responsibility is unwritten and informal, but it is a basic part of AA's approach to recovery from alcoholism through the 12 Steps. So it it essentially says that Bill and Bob were the first sponsor and sponsoring. It essentially says that what uh, group can sponsor the newcomer or active group that has sponsorship and essentially says that what you're supposed to guide them, you're supposed to have worked the steps or gone in the direction of the steps in such a a way that you can pass that on. Pass that on. It doesn't say anything about uh, to be a sponsor, you need to be a banker, or a pimp or a lawyer or, uh, you know, know about divorces or bankruptcy or, uh, uh, you know, or unrelated sexual experiences. It's talking about, uh, in a direction of recovery and it's talking about guiding someone toward the steps and being a companion. And, uh, I've been here for over 34 years and I have a, always had a sponsor, uh, just because in the very beginning they said I needed one. Matter of fact, the detox I was in, I couldn't get out until I had one, and I was willing to do that. I was willing to get out. I'd been in and out of A for a number of years and never had a sponsor and couldn't stay sober. Nor did I work the steps and I couldn't stay sober. So I was trying something different, and I got a sponsor. And, and that sponsor initially had I had no identity with that person other than the fact that they were going to meetings, and uh, and and they could talk some. A- and that's what I got in the very beginning. And then ultimately, as I stayed sober, uh, I had uh, sponsors human, and I had a sponsor get drunk, and so I got another sponsor. And uh, and uh, then that sponsor moved away, and I got another sponsor. I always overlapped if I knew one sponsor. I did, if I didn't know my first sponsor was going to get drunk until he was drunk. But I had people I was talking to, so I've always had a sponsor. And that sponsor. Uh, In my case, as a uh, kind of a teacher, kind of a mentor that I went to with things, uh, they they didn't always align with what my problems were. They didn't always have experiences, but but I always had a sponsor. And and to me, the sponsor uh, to me was somebody that I could confide in that I was hurting. That my ego didn't have to act like I've got my you know, everything together. I can go to this person and say, you know, I'm, I'm angry about this. I'm uh, uh, This is causing me pain with my daughter. It's causing me pain. Not that the sponsor was going to give me direction about my daughter, but I could tell somebody that it was bothering me. A confidant. And I developed a relationship with a sponsor in, in New Sobriety, a relationship with another human being with a sponsor before I could go back and have a relationship with my wife, who I've been married to for we've been together over 15 years. So we had a lot of resentments between each other in new sobriety, and so I had to develop a relationship with a sponsor. And then actually my sponsor gave me some, he pointed a newcomer to me and gave me a newcomer to work with, and I developed that relationship. I wanted to do it. I developed that relationship with that newcomer. Because my sponsor said to do it, and I wanted my people-pleased my sponsor. I wanted approval from my sponsor. And so I did what my sponsor said, and then I got a newcomer, and then I developed a relationship with my wife and my daughter. There was too many resentments between my wife and I over the years and years of drinking for me to go work on that first. I had to work on... Getting sober, staying sober, confiding in a sponsor, and then sponsoring somebody. And uh, in in the early days, in the early days of my sobriety, the guy that twelve stepped me was my first sponsor. That's the way it was. You didn't get to pick one. The guy that twelve stepped you was your sponsor, and you knew it. And he said it. And when he checked you into detox, he told the detox, "I'm his sponsor. I'm sponsoring him into detox." So, so that was it. Was never a question to me. It was already done. It was something was already done. Uh, as I went through, went on through sobriety, I worked the steps, and I was a liar and a cheat and a sneak. And so, the first time I, I worked the steps, it was all uh, lies, <laughs> you know. And I told things, uh, exaggerated things, trying to impress or belittle or. Or whatever I thought, I had no idea. I was feeling it out. So the, when I first did the steps, but the sponsor said, "Do the steps. I don't care whether you you do them perfect. Just do them." So I did them. And then later I went back to a sponsor and said, "You know, I lied about all that stuff. I need to do this again." And then later I I went back and said, oh, "I lied about." The thing was, I lied about all of it, and then I lied about half of it, and then I lied about 25% of it, then I lied about 5% of it, and then I I lied about 1%. I held out the last little tidbit until I was six years, four months, and three days sober, and then I let go of that. So it was a process of uncovering, discovering, and discarding. Uh, But I had to have a sponsor that would allow me, okay, what now? Oh, all right. And, and they didn't make a big deal about what I said. Well, I lied about that. Or that wasn't true. Okay. Now, where are we? Stay focused. But, uh, you, you I couldn't do it perfect. I was an imperfect person. But I had to have a confidence. I would go ride with my sponsor, and while we're going down the road, I would do, you know, drive-by things with him. Yeah, what about, you know, you know, I did, you know, and my sponsor do that knee-jerk, like, what was that? You know? <laughs> and there would be other people in the car, then it dawned on me, I'm riding with these people, and I'm talking in the car, and now they all know. So when we talk about all the confidentiality, you know, people say, well, what if I tell my sponsor this, and he tells somebody else? Well, what if you tell your sponsor, and then you tell 30 other people? See? There's very few real, real secrets that, that are really mind-boggling secrets that you need to have 110% confidentiality and that being the case, you should go to a priest. But most people, in my experience, the people that have a secret, they tell me, now don't tell anybody. And so I'm standing there and they go over there telling another guy, I'm going to tell you this thing, but don't tell anybody. And I'm going to go over and tell that person, but don't tell anybody. And then they come back to me and say, how come you told everybody? I didn't do nothing. I watched you do it three times in an hour. See? What we have and what we share as our past is what we're going to share to the newcomer once we start sponsoring them. That's what our past is our greatest asset. So, so I've had a sponsor all through the times. So the thing real quickly is that I've grown and I've changed because of sponsorship and because of being sponsored. When I ask somebody to sponsor me, I ask them to pay attention to me, basically. Will you help me? Which means, yeah, I'll pay attention to you. If there's three people standing there and I sponsor one of them, I pay attention to the one I sponsor. I see how, what he's doing around other people. In other words, I ask a sponsor to sponsor me, which means he said he'd pay attention to me. See? And when I ask somebody asks me to sponsor them, then I said yes, I'll pay attention to you. Just pay attention to them. Just watch them. See? When a guy's asking me to sponsor him and they're buttering me up and say, Will you help me? and Well, I really you know and you're the only one who can help me and can you help me and oh I, he's buttering me up because he wants me to help him. I don't judge him by the way he's buttering me up to ask me to help him. I judge him by the way he treats other people in the room after he walks away from me. Because he's buttering me up to help him. He's people pleasing me to help him initially. And then if he's treating everybody else like crap, pretty soon he's going to treat me like crap. See? As soon as he doesn't need me anymore, then I'm just like the rest of them. See? So I learned. And and what I want to say real quickly is the way I sponsored when I had three years is not the way I sponsored at 33. The way I sponsored at 10 years is not the way I sponsored at three years. The way I sponsored at 15 years is not the way I sponsored at 20. The way I sponsor at 25 years sober is not the way I did at 5 years sober. The way I sponsor at 30 years sober is not the way I sponsor at 34 years sober. Because I'm changing. I am changing. That's the purpose of the thing. If I'm on a sponsor, I'm changing. I'm getting input. I'm seeing things. I have examples. And I'm growing spiritually. And I can see this. I have have documented, I have have affirmations of the way I sponsored when I was 3, 5, 10, 9, 15, 20. I've always sponsored people. And I can see how I changed by looking at the difference in me. Initially, I thought I had to control them. And at five years, I found out I couldn't, so I released them. At ten years, I needed them because of what I was going through, so I grabbed them and held on to them. And I didn't care if they grew they were holding my ship up. At 15 years, I'm going through new things, and I can share new things with people, but they're all five years sober or five days sober, and they don't identify with what I'm going through at 15. So I have to get back, and I have to sponsor people the way they are. And at 20 years sober, it dawned on me that I only sponsor people with 10 years sober. And, and what that has me doing is a career planner, a marriage counselor, a banker, because the people that have 10 and 15 years sober have different problems than the people with 5 or 10 days. Now I'm only sponsoring people with time. And they have quality problems. And they're asking quality questions, and I'm 20 years sober, and all of a sudden I'm a guidance counselor, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a, cub ma, a scout master, I'm a teacher, I'm a, should I go to college, should I, Get married? Should I get a divorce? Should I have an abortion? Should I do this? And, and it dawned on, that's the sickest I have ever been. And it dawned on me, I have to go back and get newcomers to work with who are fresh and quit trying to be a guidance counselor for a bunch of idiots that character defects are just running wild. At ten years over, these people's character defects are running wild, and it's driving me crazy. You have to get out of the way and let them hit the wall and surrender again. See? And so at at 25 years sober, it was a milestone, and and so I had a pretty good cross section. Had people with time and people with newcomers. At 30 years sober, I had, all of a sudden, I'm back with a bunch of people that have time. See? My life is busy; things going on in my life. Don't have newcomers. But four years ago, when I went when Sue and I went to Vegas, I put myself right back in the step houses. I got back in in the basics with newcomers in there working with newcomers, so that I was down in the trench again. And consequently, the people I so, sponsor now, with twenty to twenty-five years, are all up here with all these problems or none. Why? When you sponsor people with 20, 25 years, they get this idea that they don't have any problems. It's scary. It's scary. Whenever you see the newcomers down here getting drunk again and drunk again and drunk again, and you're trying to help them, but the people with 20 plus years are all, So I sought the answer for that. The answer for that is right here in AA Comes of Age. Dr. Tebowt. As I have already stated, the fact of hitting bottom to produce a surrender, which cut the ego to size, was evidently fairly soon. The alcoholic ego must be smashed, irregardless of the length of sobriety. The alcoholic ego revives itself. The alcoholic ego revives itself. And and Chris is not on the same going up as Reuben. Or Paul. Or Dan. These guys have 20 years of sobriety, but they, what happens is you get time, the alcoholic ego revives itself. They're not getting drunk and having these surrenders anymore. They may be going through divorces or whatever. You know, some things that you have. If you get stuff and don't know how to handle it and you lose it. But what is happening is the alcoholic ego is reviving itself. I mean you can see that you can see that down with a newcomer. We had a question there said, Do you still need a sponsor after you're a year sober? (laughs) if, if 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 I have a year, do I still need a sponsor? Well no, you didn't need him when you had a day. But that's what that question means is that you think you don't need help. It's it's a small thing for one year, but it's that alcoholic ego reviving itself. And the most important thing for sponsor for me over the years has been the sponsor keeps my ego down. The sponsor sometimes will do things that he he hits a wall and goes BAM and I see it happen to him and I think, oh my god, and he's been giving me you know guidance and he he's not doing it and he's BAM and it scares me and puts me back in place. I can hit a bottom by watching you hit a bottom. See and the important thing is is that uh, it says my second finding that surrender is a disciplinary experience a disciplinary experience the ego basically must be forging uh, forging continually ahead and it opens it operates on the unconscious assumption that it the ego should never be stopped it takes for granted that it is right, and it goes right on ahead. The human ego. all as long as you're alive, you have that. And as you stay sober, this thing comes back and comes back and comes back. There's a certain line of thinking that, uh, as you stay sober, when you come to Alcoholics Anonymous, you are humiliated by being drunk, and and you know, homeless or whatever you want, you know, a bottom. You're drunk and you're, you're broke, busted, and disgusted. As you get sober, and as you stay sober, while well, you get a job, you get things, you get cleaned up, and things come your way. Slowly, it varies per person, but as you come up with things, so does your self-worth. Your self-worth comes up from the bottom, and being a people pleaser, coming up, Your self-worth comes up. And as you stay sober, you're going to lose a job. You're going to lose a relationship. You're going to, uh, whatever, uh, some material worldly surrender is going to happen. All right? You make a decision that's not right. It's a bang. But if you don't drink, your self-worth doesn't go down like it did when you drank. But your ego will be deflated a little bit. And then you work your way back up, and as you work your way back up, and you stay sober, oh I got five years, oh I got ten years, oh I got fifteen years, your self worth comes back up. But your your character defects are going to cause some kind of a surrender in here. It's just natural it's gonna cause a surrender, and there's gonna be a bang. But if you don't drink, your self worth doesn't go down like it did when you drank. And as you come back out of that problem and build yourself back up. Your self worth will come back up. The problem is, it's hard to distinguish between self worth and ego. And that's what a sponsor did for me. It explained to me the difference between I feel good about me spiritually, I don't need anybody else's approval. So I have some self worth. I'm not holding my, not looking down. I have character defects, but I at least feel good about me most of the time. I've made some mistakes, but I didn't drink. And as I build myself back up out of that surrender, why well, then my self-worth comes up, and what I have to watch is the ego. And that's what Dr. Tiba, who was not, a, was not a, uh, uh, you know, an alcoholic, but he loved working with him, and I believe that any group or individual who fails to participate in an enterprise of organization to render himself and his group uh, decisive or not, submitting to the disenfranchised values inherent to those activities, he may be keeping himself free from entanglements, but he is keep not keeping the ego stopped. The ego stopped. His chances of remaining sober are not of the highest order. His already going it alone, and may be needing another miracle, which may come as a drink. So it's proven that the human ego will revive itself by studies and what have you. The thing that keeps that in check for me has been sponsorship. All right? So quickly, I want to give some, how do you support someone you sponsor who is making a decision that could be detrimental to their recovery? Like I said, if you ask me to sponsor you, which means I'm going to watch you, then my responsibility is, if I see you doing something that I think is, this is the whole thing, if I see you doing something that I think is going to be detrimental to your sobriety, I'm going to tell you. Not stop you. I'm going to tell you. You asked me to sponsor you and I'm watching you do this and you're whatever it may be. I'm watching you do this. And it appears to me, based on the fact I've been paying attention to you, I've been doing my job. It looks to me like you're in trouble. I don't have to say that 20 times because I've got a life my responsibility is saying, it looks to me like you're in trouble, Slick. Now, if you wanted to use that or not, it's none of my business. And I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I'm just going to simply do my job. Can I say something that I see and I am not being asked? Can I say something that I see and I'm not being asked? Oh, if I see you doing something, you ask me to sponsor you, then if I see you doing something, I'm going to tell you. That's my job. What do you want from a sponsor? I asked Rob that one time, and he gave me two pages of stuff that Jesus Christ himself couldn't have. I said, holy shit. You want me to do this? Boy, I feel sorry for Marie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the purpose of a sponsor? It's a mentor. It's somebody to pay attention to. you. It's a teacher. I've learned more from my sponsors about what not to do than I have what to do. Because if I ask them to sponsor me, I'm judging them everywhere they go. And they're supposed to be watching me.
1: So at this point, sponsors are human beings
0: too. Well... This is something Sue and I have to say to each other all the time. A sponsor is a human being, too. And I know that it gets lost, but that's very important for us to say that so our egos don't think that we are ruler over these people's lives. You have to work the steps to sponsor, and how much time do you need to be a sponsor? Hey, what did I read? You got a day, you get another day, and you work with a guy with one day, you got some. Say, I lied and cheated and and connived about my fourth step and fifth step till I was six years, four months, and three days sober. What do you want? The point is I was doing something. There's God in this. I I always I I just cringe when I go to these meetings around places and they say, Will everybody in the room hold their hand up that will be a sponsor? I thought, Where's God? Is his hand up? (laughs) I don't hold my hand up there. Because I believe God's in this. It always, God has always been in my choices of a sponsor when I asked. And God has always been in my choices of sponsor when I changed. In six of them, God took them. They died. I had to change sponsor because they died. (laughs) Wait a minute, you're leaving me alone. Bye, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be meeting in the sky. Well, what about me down here? Well, get another sponsor. (laughs) I've given you all I can. I think most of the time I used to sponsor all these young people, and, and, and they hated their dad. They hated people of authority figures, and it just seemed like all those little haters that hated authority asked me to be their sponsor, and immediately they were hating me because I was an authoritative figure, I was a father figure. But I'm an alcoholic, so I can take it. Hit me with your best shot. I'm not your dad. when I start sponsoring someone should I start with a blue book always I don't know if you got one I mean it's a good place to start so I are talking about it right now and this is something that is not happening in these groups right here in this room I'm not so strong willed in belief that I think you should jump right into it but I'm going to tell you It's something that is not happening in everybody that I know in this room. And other places all over the country, in Alcoholics Anonymous and Al-Anon, when you get a newcomer or when you somebody asks you or when you're romancing a newcomer, you get the big book and you sit down and you read that book. All over Alcoholics Anonymous, there's people doing that. There's also places they don't. Some places they sit down and they read the 12 and 12. We have book studies. And I think the book studies have have preempted the personal relationship that you get by sitting down with someone, irregardless of the length of sobriety. I feel bad. I believe there's people I sponsor with over 20 years that they need to sit down with me and read that book. And I need to sit down and read that book with them. Now, I don't know that it's necessary that there's something in that book that I missed, but I believe that the sponsorship, the people I sponsor, has got so loose and so undisciplined that it become a burden on me simply because the people I sponsor who I've sponsored a long time think I'm available to them any time. They don't need call times. They don't need whenever they think, well, maybe I ought to call old Keith, they call me. And then they say, I don't have nothing to say. And then they want to tell me about what happened last Tuesday. They want to catch up from last Tuesday to today. And that's loose. That's loosey goosey. If you got things going on today, you need to talk to somebody about today. You don't let it accumulate and then dump on somebody. And I let that happen. I'm guilty of that. And my relationship with people with time that I sponsor has got so loose that it's virtually nothing. Virtually nothing. See? Until there's a boom. And then there's a boom. And then it's like... What happened? I said, well, I don't know. I've been seeing it coming for two years, Slick. It's the surprise that gets us drunk. So I believe that reading the book one-on-one is something that this group should take an honest, earnest look at, including myself. Sue used to have book studies at our house. We've just slapped of that because we have book studies and you can go sit in a book and text and sleep and do whatever you want, but we're really guilty around here of not being intimate with each other with a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in front of us. It's very bad. Very bad. And uh, it's one of the reasons I wanted to have this sponsorship thing is because there's just not going on. People are not saying the answer to your problem is in that book and let me show you where it is. They're saying, well, I think you should go down here and do this. and They're giving personal advice that is unfounded because they're not using the text for their answers. That's just what I see. You asked me to help you. I said I'm going to have this thing. I'm going to tell you what I see today. All right? Is it possible to sponsor someone that hasn't hit a bottom? Well, if you come in here and you say, help me, then I have to see... What I'm helping. I don't know what your bottom is. I don't even think it says hit a bottom in the big book, does it? I don't think it refers to that anywhere in the book. It talks about surrender. And I don't know what a bottom is for you. But I tell you this. If you come and ask me to sponsor you and I say yes. And I say call me Tuesday at 9 o'clock. And you say, I can't call you Tuesday at 9 o'clock. I sleep till 10. Well, call me Tuesday at 9 p.m. I can't call you Tuesday. I'm going to school. Well, call me Friday at 2.30 in the afternoon. I can't do that because I'll be going to see my mother. I'm going to tell you, you don't need me. Why you ask me to help you? You can't even find it to call me. You're so busy. You need to go take care of all these other things. I won't step into that world with you. One thing about having one day, two day, three days, I've taken enough sanity back by taking the second step that I know when you're crazy. Okay? <laughs> exactly how can you turn your will and your life over? Well, it's the third step. If you can turn your will in your life, that's the third step. I had to do the first step with a sponsor before I could do the third step with God. And personally, I was so sick and so beat down that I turned my will and my life over to my sponsor. I turned my will and my life over to a detox. I turned my will and my life over to Alcoholics Anonymous. And then it dawned on me that Alcoholics Anonymous, where two or more are gathered, God is in the midst. I have turned my will and my life over to God. It's really not a complicated thing. If you want to get complicated about what's going to happen to you when you turn your will and your life over to God, you're probably going to get introduced to the devil real quick. Okay? It's not that complicated. That's the reason a sponsor is, is somebody to ask a human being to be your sponsor, and then idiot won't be running your life. You. Do I have to say yes when someone asks to sponsor them? No. You can go get drunk. No, you don't have to ask them. I say no to women who ask me to sponsor them. And and there's people in Alcoholics Anonymous that just think I'm absolutely insane. If my daughter came to you and needed help and you won't sponsor a woman, then my daughter would go die. I said, I'll tell you what, your daughter ain't even going to get coming around me. So that is not even a fair question. I can't sponsor women. I can't sponsor gay men. I can't sponsor gay women. I'm too sick. It's not that I'm not bipartisan or that I'm not willing. I'm too sick. I've worked the steps. I'm too sick to sponsor someone that I can have sexual influence over. I'm too sick to do that and there are people who do and who can but i'm too sick to do that i have a couple more real quick how do i know if if and when i need to make a sponsor change or let go of a sponsee how do you know when it's almost it's not sponsor gave me that the sponsor told me that and later on when i fired him I said anything that's almost I'm gonna give you some of your own shit. Anything that's almost is not and I'm gone. So he gave me that when I walked in and I gave him that when I walked out. And that's the answer now. Anything that's almost is not. That even pertains to a marriage. Sue. One more? Okay. Sue, I wanna give Sue time. How do you deal with a spouse who is rude? to their sponsors. If you're rude to me, well, if you're rude to me, I don't know it. But, part of sponsorship, of helping a newcomer, of helping another person, is to have patience. That's why when you're brand new, it's hard to sponsor somebody, because you don't have patience. It's hard to have tolerance. And part of love Love is patience. Love is tolerance. And and I have to understand that that's a sick person. That's a sick person. And what they're doing, at least they're running it up towards me, not their wife. Many times have I had sponsees who would just rant and rave on me, and I would sit there and listen to it because I thought, thank God that can ventilate on somebody, and they're not doing it at home. So you have to distinguish that. But I will tell you this. And Sue and I have talked about this. And she'll talk more about it. I have sponsored people who get some years of sobriety. And like I say, they start judging me and they start taking my inventory and they start doing these things. And so I've always had an open-door policy. If you have resentments against me, be big enough to put them on paper on a four-column and give them to me because I'm big enough to read it. You may be right. That's part of sponsorship. If I sponsor you and you get resentments against me, at least you've gone through the steps that so you can do a 10th step on me, write it down, put it in a four column, and say I need to sit down with you and give you a resentment, and give it to me, and it's me. And I will read it, and I will observe it, I will study it, and if you're right, I'm big enough to say you're right. I need to change. But a I read it, then you have to listen to my side of it. You have to, if you got, if you're big enough to bring it to me, I'll read it. You may be right, but I'm gonna discuss it with you, and you're gonna listen to me. Now what that has done, not, it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. And what that has trained me about, is that I'm human too. I have feelings too. You can hurt my feelings too. And if I have done nothing but try to encourage you to stay sober and improve your life, and you come to me, written or not, with these resentments, telling me what's wrong with me, that I'm the bad example, and that's why these people are doing that, it hurts my feelings that you feel that way. And if you're wrong, it hurts my feelings. And when it hurts my feelings and I'm your sponsor and you've done that to me, I'm not going to give you the same amount of time I did before. I'm not going to give you the same amount of consideration I did before. I'm not going to give you nothing because you feel that way about me because you hurt my feelings. And screw you, Jack. You go somewhere and get well. I'm a human being too. If you tell me you're going to call me and you call me and you call me and then you miss five days and then you call me and you think I'm going to be there, let me tell you something slick. I done forgot you three days ago. You can't just go over at the wall and plug into me like you can a fan over there. I'm a human being. I got things going on in my life and I sponsor other people. And the ego gets up to where they think the sponsor is supposed to be available and above the law and unflawed. You're wrong, 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 wrong. And that's a very, very wise thing to learn when you ask somebody to sponsor them. They're not your slave. They're not your banker. They're not your pimp. They're a human being. They have character defects. And you can hurt our feelings. And when you hurt our feelings, let me bear witness. I will remember it.
1: Hi, I'm Sue grateful member of the Al-Anon family groups I hope the Al-Anons heard what Keith was saying because it just doesn't apply to alcoholics because a non-alcoholic has the same character defects and are infected with the disease of alcoholism we just don't smell our attitude does but our breath doesn't unless we've eaten garlic or something (laughs) Uh, and we can have stinking attitudes and uh Yeah, when I got here, I was told that there is absolutely no growth without sponsorship. And I wanted one because I was competitive with other newcomers in my group because they were getting better, and by gosh, they weren't going to outgrow me. And they had one of those things, and I wanted one too. And I asked uh, Elsa... Uh, Elsie Quintard to be my sponsor, and she was one of the hardest women in Al-Anon at that time. And she laid down the deal for me. I what to read in the morning when I first got up, look in the mirror and say, I love you, do the third step prayer, the seventh step prayer out of the big book, read On Awakening out of the big book one day at a time, and add any other prayers that I wanted to after I did the third and seventh step prayer. And I still do that. look in the mirror after all of that, and say, "Good morning, Sue. I love you." I still do that over thirty four years later, and I still pass that on, and she has uh, she passed on well she wasn 't my sponsor I had her as a sponsor for the first four years of my recovery, and I still do that because she gave me. The basics. She took me through the steps, had me write them. She told me what to do and what I couldn't do. And if I didn't know what to do, I questioned myself. I called her. I know there's people in here that their sponsor doesn't have a clue what's going on with them today. I have no secrets from my sponsor. I never have. I've had four sponsors. It says, You know, how do you know when to change sponsors? Well, when you're not getting the answers for growth. Not when you're pissed off at your sponsor because your sponsor told you something you didn't want to hear. When your growth has stopped. Or when your sponsor's growth has stopped. And they're complacent as hell. It's time to get a new sponsor. And uh, the second sponsor I had, I got her because she sponsored a lot of people. She did not have a sponsor when I asked her to sponsor me. And I said, I'll give you a year to get a sponsor. Because I liked the way she worked with others. Because Elsie Quintard, my first sponsor, was old. I was 32 years old. And she was running around with uh, Ruby, Texas' wife. And they're all, they all were in their 60s to 80s. And I'm 32 years old and I'm starting to act like an old woman and I'm not laughing, I'm not having fun. And so I see another group. And they're a bunch of women my age and they're laughing, they're having fun, they're doing the deal and they're going through the steps and they have a a step panel they're taking everywhere. And I wanted that. Because it was growth. It was growth. I was looking at more growth for me and learning how to do new things. Because the... Older ladies that I was with were not looking for newcomers. And I'll tell you what, if you don't have newcomers in your life, you're stagnant. My personal growth will stop if I'm not working with a newcomer. It doesn't matter. I have women that I sponsor that have time in this program. Just sponsoring people with time will make me complacent and stagnant. I constantly have someone in my life who I'm taking to the steps all the time. I'll tell you something that's real spiritual this weekend. I went to Texas. I was in San Antonio. And uh, the lady that was my hostess was leading the meeting Friday uh, after I got in. She got a phone call, and the lady that was supposed to read at the Al-Anon meeting that I was speaking at had to cancel because she had a family situation come up. She couldn't ignore it. And so she's hangs up and I don't know who I can get to read. And I said, You know what? Libby from Austin, Texas is coming here this weekend and Libby came to this group in Anaheim, California last September. And Libby called me and said, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to have some ladies with me. And I said, let's ask Libby, by God. She's a newcomer. It'll tickle her to death. And so Libby shows up, and and this girl asks her, and uh, she gets over there. Libby's got six months. She said, Sue, this is my newcomer. This is my new sponsoree. Her name's Nada. And she has six weeks. Oh, Jesus Christ. She said, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't like the meetings. I don't know where I'm going. But I asked her if she doesn't want to do it and doesn't want to know where she's going to come with me. (laughs) Isn't that great? Isn't that great? And... uh, And she said to me, look at me, Sue, I wore a skirt. That's recovery. She learned that here. And there's people here that ain't doing that. But she learned it here. She learned it in my home group. And I just, my heart just burst. And then she had another lady with her that had 27 years in Al-Anon. And her sponsor's 85 years old and getting ready to die. And, and uh, she came up to Libby before the meeting and she said, Libby, don't get up there and puck your head and do your shoulder like a cutesy little girl. Stand up there like a woman with your shoulders back, your head up, and make Sue proud of you. And Libby goes, okay. And she goes up there, hi, I'm Libby. And my home group is the God Group in Anaheim, California, until I find a group that I like in Austin, Texas. <laughs>